girl living in a pretty rough neighborhood. You're the oldest of your siblings and you do what you can to help take care of them. But pretty soon, you'll have to take on more responsibility because your mother will pass away. You do what you can to help fill the void of her not being there, but it's hard. Nevertheless, you're helpful and responsible for your siblings and your friends. But little do you know, that void will soon grow bigger because you will be gone too. Hello, my fellow divers, and welcome back to another episode of Crime Dive where we take a deep dive into crime. I'm your host, Lexi. Thank you so much for listening and watching. If you're new, welcome to the water. We're so happy to have you. If you're returning, welcome back to the water. We missed you. And thank you for coming back to take another deep dive into crime with us. As always, please check out our episode description. There you'll find the links to my TikTok, Instagram, as well as a link to help us out over here at Crime Dive. You can also find my email in the episode description for any business inquiries. If you're watching on YouTube, you can find the links to my podcast as well. Today, we are going to be talking about the senseless murder of teenager Latasha Harlins. This case, I'm sure, will make you pretty upset as it made a lot of people upset. Latasha's death was said to be one of the catalysts of the 1992 LA riots, and we will get into all of that. But first, let's begin with Latasha Harlins. Latasha LaVon Harlins was born on January 1st, 1975 in St. Louis, Illinois. Her parents' names were Crystal Harlins and Vester Akoff Sr. And she had two siblings named Christina and Vester Jr. Latasha was the oldest of her siblings. She was described as being responsible, caring, generous, and she always took care of others. She even helped save a little girl who was being drowned by a boy at a neighborhood pool. And Latasha immediately snatched the guy up, she helped the girl, and they became friends instantly. That's just the type of person she was. She was known around town as everybody's big sister, and she had your back. When Latasha was six years old, her family decided to move to LA, and they got an apartment near 89th Street and Broadway in South Central LA. But unfortunately, tragedy would strike. On November 27, 1985, four years after the family had moved to LA, Latasha's mother, Crystal, was shot in the torso in a nightclub in LA. And unfortunately, she passed away and she left behind Latasha and her two young siblings. Luckily, they had their grandmother, Ruth, who stepped in and helped raise them so they wouldn't be separated and go into the system. This was a very, very jarring and shattering blow for Latasha's family, considering the fact that her mother was younger and so were they. And now three children are left without their mother because of senseless violence. Once Latasha's mother passed away, she took on the role of being the big sister even more. And she did what she could to step up for her younger siblings. Their mother wasn't there anymore. And she had to fill that void and help raise them along with her grandmother so she could look out for them and be there for them. Latasha attended Westchester High School where she was an honor roll student. She got mostly A's and she did this because she really wanted to become a lawyer. And she knew that if she wanted to go to law school, she had to get good grades. So that was her number one priority. Latasha also really wanted to start programs for neighborhood kids in order to keep them off the streets. And she really wanted them to incorporate sport to keep kids interested. Latasha's friends said that she did not want to become a statistic just because she had lost her mother at a young age. She wanted to rise above everybody's 
youth's expectations of her and do what she could to achieve her goals and give back to her community. Latasha also really wanted to start her own business because she didn't want to have to face discrimination anytime she went in the store, which became a reality for her that was all too real. And this is what was happening in South Central LA. In the late 80s and the early 90s, a lot of stores in South Central were owned by Korean people. Because the area that they bought these stores in were in South Central, where majority of the residents are African American, black people were the ones who were attending the stores. Now at first, there was very little tension, everything was fine. But over time, Korean store owners started to discriminate against their black customers. They would follow them around the store, they would watch them as they shopped, and they wouldn't hire them. I've actually had a similar experience going into a store, so I kind of know what it feels like, and it's very uncomfortable. This climate of discrimination of Korean store owners against black customers only grew the tension between them. But the tension wasn't just between them, it was also between black residents as well as police. And this had a lot to do with an initiative called Operation Hammer that was launched in 1987. Operation Hammer consisted of police going into poor neighborhoods that were predominantly black and they were rounding up who they believed to be suspected gang members. They were doing this by any means necessary. Police brutality, according to black residents, was on the rise. People felt like their rights were being violated. So this increased tensions between them as well. The tensions between black people and police came to an all time high on March 3rd, 1991, when South Central resident Rodney King was brutally beat by four police officers after he was pulled over during a high speed chase. Now what made Rodney King's story so interesting and really captivate the city was because it was caught on video, which wasn't common for the early 90s. Nobody really had cell phones, so nine times out of 10, things weren't really caught on camera, but somebody just so happened to be using their VHS camera recording out of their house, and they caught what happened to Rodney King. And that video was played on TV over and over and over again. Neither the police nor the suspect knew that a home video camera had captured the scene. It began as a high-speed chase and ended early Sunday morning with the motorist, a black male, being brutally beaten and kicked. The victim was struck as many as 56 times and suffered several broken bones. Now, I'm sure things like that happened a lot in South Central LA, but to see it on camera was something that a lot of people never thought would happen, and it was very shocking. Rodney suffered severe injuries, including broken bones and teeth, multiple skull fractures, and permanent brain damage. This video sparked extreme outrage in the black community because like I said, people were used to seeing this, but they weren't used to seeing it on camera. South Central was on the brink of exploding, but it would only get worse. On the morning of March 16th, 1991, Latasha's grandmother asked a few of her grandchildren if they could go to the store to get orange juice for her. But every time one said no, she asked another one. They said no, she asked another one. And Latasha, being the responsible big sister, she decided, Grandma, I'll go, I got it. And she walks down to Empire Liquor Market in Delhi in order to purchase the orange juice for her grandmother. The store owner was a Korean woman named Soon Jadu, and she owned the store along with her husband, Billy Jadu. So that morning, Latasha walks into the store and she goes to the back into the fridge in order to get the orange juice. She puts the orange juice in her backpack and it's sticking out of the top while she has $2 in her hand getting ready to pay for it. But as she walks up to the counter, Soon looks at her and she says, hey, you're stealing my orange juice. You're trying to take my orange juice. And Latasha's kind of looking at her like, 
uh, I have the money right here. She holds up the money for Soon to see. But before Latasha gets the chance to pay, Soon immediately tries to grab her bag and then grabs her sweater, holding onto her, trying to stop Latasha from leaving so she doesn't steal the orange juice, even though Latasha walked up to the counter on her own in order to pay for it. Eventually, Latasha fights back and she tries to break free from Soon Juju's grip, but Soon would not let her go. So Latasha begins hitting her and she strikes her in the face four times before Soon falls to the ground. The orange juice fell out of Latasha's backpack and at that point she just decided, you know what, I don't even want it anymore. So she picks the orange juice up off the floor and she places it on the counter. But as she does this, Soon throws a stool at Latasha from behind the counter. And at that point, Latasha says, I I'm over this, I'm leaving. And as she turns to walk away, Soon pulled out a 38 caliber handgun and she shot Latasha in the back of the head as she was turning to leave. And Latasha was killed instantly. Latasha Harlins died at only 15 years old, just six years after her mother was also killed by a gunshot wound. Detectives arrived at Latasha's grandmother's house that afternoon in order to share the horrible news. And this was absolutely heartbreaking for the entire family and so shattering for them to have lost their mother and daughter and then to lose their sister and granddaughter. It was too much for the family to bear. Latasha really took on more of the big sister role once their mother passed away and she did what she could to be there for them. So for her to be gone now too, it was just too much for her siblings. And her grandmother couldn't believe that first she had lost her daughter and now she had lost her granddaughter. And this whole tragedy occurred over a dollar and 79 cents worth of orange juice, which is just mind boggling to me that she lost her life over something so small, but it just goes to show what was going on in South Central LA at the time. The Rodney King incident happened two weeks before Latasha was killed. Her death really put salt in an already very fresh wound and tensions were rising in LA, especially after people had heard that a young girl had been shot by a Korean store owner over orange juice. A lot of people have been having similar experiences of racism at these stores. So to hear that somebody so young had been killed, it definitely put people on high alert. Latasha's death was a bit overshadowed by what had happened to Rodney King. People in the area, they knew about it, but it wasn't as widely publicized as the Rodney King incident. But nevertheless, her life mattered and her death was very upsetting for a lot of people. Soon Jadu's account of what happened didn't match the account of two witnesses that were in the store at the time, a brother and a sister. According to them, Latasha walked up to the counter and she was going to pay for the orange juice. Soon's account also didn't match the surveillance footage that was found of the incident because in in the footage, you can see that Latasha has the money in her hand and was going to pay for the orange juice. And it also shows Latasha leaving the orange juice there and deciding to walk out of the store and not pay for it. Police believe that Latasha was no threat to Soon's life and that there was really no reason to shoot her. So Soon Jadu was arrested and charged with first degree murder. Now this was said to have not been the first time Soon had pulled a gun on a customer. Latasha's friend Tybee had actually gone to the same store a few months later with her mother and they had paid for their groceries and walked out. But then Tybee decided that she wanted another candy bar. So she went back in the store while her mother stayed outside in the car waiting for her to return. Tybee goes in the store, she grabs a candy bar and as she's looking down to count the change in her hand to make sure she has enough to pay for the candy bar, a woman in the store screams and gets in between Tybee and Soon Jadu and she says, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it. And Tybee looks up and sees that Soon is pointing a gun at her. 
Tybee was extremely confused. Mind you, at this time, she was also around 14, 15 years old. So she was very confused as to why this woman was holding a gun at her as if she was going to steal when she was literally counting the money in her hand. Very similar situation to what happened to Latasha. Once this happened to Tybee, she told all of her friends, including Latasha, to stay away from Soon Jadu's store because she was liable to do anything to anybody that walked in there. The trial began on November 15, 1991. Latasha's family was sitting front row in order to honor her legacy and fight for justice. Soon testified that she had never held a gun before and really didn't know how it worked, but According to Tybee's story, that's not true. Soon also said she had no memory of firing the gun and didn't mean to kill Latasha. Soon's husband, Billy, testified that the gun had actually been stolen at one of their other store locations. And when he got it back from the police, it had been altered by whoever had stolen it. According to him, he said that it was much harder to pull the trigger, but that there was a mechanism within the gun that made it pretty easy to pull the trigger. I'm not sure how those two things can exist at the same time, but this is what he said. He also said that the safety mechanism on the gun wasn't working properly. Soon's charge was eventually downgraded to voluntary manslaughter. And the jury ended up convicting her of this charge. They believed that her act of killing Latasha was unlawful and unjustifiable. And they recommended the maximum sentence of 16 years. But she ended up being sentenced to 10 years. But in a very surprising twist, the judge in the case Judge Joyce Carlin decided to suspend Soon's sentence, meaning that she wouldn't have to serve it. So she pretty much took it away from her. And all she gave her was five years of probation, 400 hours of community service, a $500 fine, and she had to pay the funeral expenses for Latasha. That was it, no jail time. After the trial was over, she walked free. Not a time for rhetoric which serves no purpose other than to fuel the fire. It's like throwing gasoline on a fire that's already burning. It is my opinion that Mrs. Dew is not a danger to the community and that she is not going to reoffend. Latasha's family was completely disgusted by this choice. They could not believe that somebody that was going around holding guns at 15 year olds and then killing them was able to go back onto the streets and continue running her business as if nothing had happened. And the black community was outraged too. They couldn't believe that somebody got away with doing something so senseless, especially because she was convicted and the jury suggested that she be given the max and yet she was given no jail time. It's very rare for a judge to go against a jury's decision. So the fact that it happened definitely made people wonder, what was the motive here? They argued that the judge, who was a white woman, only gave this leniency to Soon Jadu because she wasn't black. And people argued if she was, or if Latasha had been white, had the sentence been a little bit different. If the outcome of Latasha's trial wasn't upsetting enough, the four officers who brutally beat Rodney King were acquitted on April 29th, 1992, five months after the Soon Jadu trial wrapped up. We the jury in the above entitled action find the defendant Lawrence M. Powell not guilty of the crime of assault by force likely to produce great bodily injury and with a deadly weapon in violation of penal code section 245A1 a felony as charged in count one of the amended indictment. This 29th day of April, 1992, signed by the foreman. We the jury in the above entitled action find the defendant Timothy E. Wind not guilty of the crime of assault by force likely to produce great bodily injury and with a deadly weapon 
We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Theodore J. Brasino, not guilty of the crime of assault by force likely to produce great bodily injury and with a deadly weapon. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Stacy C. Kuhn, not guilty of the crime of assault by force likely to produce great bodily injury and with a deadly weapon. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, are these your verdicts? So say you won, so say you all. Yes. And this sent South Central into a tailspin. That same day, the infamous LA riots began, starting a five-day period of looting, fights, and burning down buildings in South Central LA. Black people took their anger out on anybody that they believed was responsible for their oppression, and they didn't care who you were. Now, police didn't urgently respond to these riots, which caused them to spread throughout the city much faster over the five-day period. And it was just mayhem. It was absolute chaos. People were very fed up. They were very upset by the outcome of both of these trials, and they decided to take their frustrations out into the streets. That fire was one of three fires that had recently broken out in the Hollywood area. The other was just east of that. And frankly, uh, up in the air here, we can see fires uh, easily uh, beyond the Watson Compton area. The riot situation in the area. Advise units not to respond. I understand uh, we have a helicopter shot now. Uh, this On May 1st, the president at the time, George Bush, decided to send troops out to LA in order to control the riots. And by the following day, May 2nd, the city was back under control. In all, over 60 people died, almost 2,000 people were injured, and over 7,000 were arrested. About 3,000 buildings were burned, and nearly $1 billion in damage have been caused. To this day, the LA riots are said to be the largest civil disturbance of the 20th century. As of today, the Empire Liquor Store is not there anymore. It was destroyed during the LA riots and it never reopened. I think people targeted this store because they knew that this is where Latasha had been killed. A lot of other people had had similar incidents that happened there where they were discriminated against. Judge Joyce Carlin was threatened by the public after her decision to suspend Soon Jadu's sentence and eventually she stepped down from the bench, meaning she resigned her position as a judge. Soon Jadu's insurance company ended up paying Latasha's family $300,000, but this left little consolation to the fact that Latasha was gone and she wasn't coming back, and there was no justice in her case. Latasha's death was not in vain. She serves as a symbol of racial injustice that sparked a huge movement. Although the riots were unhinged and crazy, it shone a light on what was happening in that area and what was probably happening all over America. And it forced people to pay attention to our broken justice system. Latasha's life mattered, and unfortunately, it was tragically cut short for something that really didn't matter. 
In 2019, a short film was released on Netflix called A Love Song for Latasha, and it focuses more on her life as opposed to her death, which was something that the film producer really wanted to capture. I actually watched it and I think it was beautifully done. I suggest that you do too, because it really paints a picture of the type of person that Latasha was and just how selfless and generous she was. In 1992, a year after Latasha's death, her aunt Denise decided to found the Latasha Harlan's Justice Committee. Eventually, it turned into the Latasha Harlan's foundation, which still exists today. And their mission is to advocate for low-income families in communities similar to where Latasha grew up. And I will put the website link in the episode description so you can take a look at it or even make a donation. Her sister Christina is the CEO of the Latasha Harlan's Foundation and her brother Vester Jr. is also very involved as well. On New Year's Day 2021, on what would have been Latasha's 45th birthday, a mural was unveiled of her in South Los Angeles Park. This park was said to be like a second home for Latasha and she was always there playing with her friends and her siblings. So it seemed very fitting for there to be a mural of her there. I wish I could say things were different, but unfortunately, they're not. This happens all too much and it's a very real issue. Incidents of police brutality as well as the killings of unarmed people continue to disproportionately affect black people. I mean, just look at Sandra Bland, Trayvon Martin, George Floyd, Mike Brown, Alton Sterling. These things are still happening today. And it's very, very sad that we really haven't come much further. Protesting and rioting is said to be the language of the unheard. Now, I'm not saying I condone rioting and looting and setting buildings on fire, but in a way you can understand the pain and the frustration that a lot of these people were feeling in order to do these things. When you feel like you're facing that pressure from all sides and your people are being killed or brutalized and nobody's being held accountable, it can be pretty frustrating because it makes you wonder, could you be next? Could somebody you know be next? Will it ever end? Is anybody gonna finally stick up and serve justice to the people who are doing this to maybe discourage people from doing it in the future? People face this reality every single day. And unfortunately for families like Latasha's, their families end up changing forever. But with that, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up today's episode. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you so much for listening and watching, and I hope to see you in the water soon.